welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. Hey, Elevate Life, so great to be with you. And man, what a season that we are in right now in the world. Well, guess what? We're here to focus on the kingdom of God. We're here to lift up Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you, wherever you are, unless you're driving, of course, to stand with us right now. Let's make our declarations. Can we do that? Put your hand over your heart. Let's speak from our heart. Declare this with me. I declare that I'm created in the image of God. I am blessed to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and take dominion. I declare that 2020 is my year of transformation. Things are not just going to change for the better, but 2020 will be my best year ever. Come on, y'all. I declare that 2020 is double-double for me, double blessing, double anointing, a double portion of good things in every area of my life. I declare that according to Psalm 65:11, that God is crowning my year with goodness and my path will drip with abundance. I declare that as I am taught the Word of God and apply it, that I'm wonderfully well and blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Put a big amen on that. Let's put a, clap, a hand clap on that. That means that God's super is coming into our natural. Heaven's coming to earth. God's possibility is coming into my impossibility. I speak that over your life. I declare that over your life in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you guys know that on December 31st, 2019, in our New Year's Eve service, I declared that transformation was going to be our word for this year. It was a word that God gave us. I used the butterfly as a symbol that a caterpillar, when he goes through that chrysalis, when he goes through that transformation, that what the Bible calls metamorpho uh, is the word, that when that metamorphosis happens, that the caterpillar doesn't become a better uh, caterpillar. The butterfly is not a better caterpillar. The caterpillar dies and is transformed into a butterfly. That is what's happening in our country. I prophesied on December 31st, 2019, that this was our year of transformation and that some of us would not know what that meant until June. Well, we're starting to understand what transformation means. We've gone through impeachment hearings for the president of the United States. We've gone through a pandemic and we've gone through now this, this really cultural crisis that we are in the midst of and that we've been addressing just right up front and talking about what needs to be talked about in this season. Of course, injustice, of course, uh, some inequality that has been in our country and racism. And so we've addressed all those topics. We're going to continue to lift up the name of Jesus, continue to point people towards the kingdom. And with that, we launched this new series called Unshakable. Come on, Unshakable. And uh, today's title is Unshakable Unity. And I want to read out of the Amplified Bible because it's very descriptive. I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture. Y'all just get ready, get used to it, because I'm going to give you a lot of word. I'm not going to give you a lot of my opinion. I'm not going to give you a lot of cultural opinion. I'm not going to give you a lot of political opinion. I'm not going to give you a lot of white opinion or a lot of black opinion. I'm going to give you a lot of kingdom opinion. Somebody say, amen. 
because that's what we need in the world right now. That's what we need. So Hebrews 12, verse 25 through 28, here's what it says. See to it that you do not refuse to listen to him who is speaking to you now. I prophesy to you that God is speaking now in the world. He's speaking to you right now. For if those sons of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to him who warned them on earth, revealing God's will, how much less will we escape if we turn our backs on him who warns from heaven? God is giving us a warning from heaven right now in the world that we live in. His voice shook the earth at Mount Sinai. Then, but now, he has given us a promise saying, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Wow. There's a whole lot of shaking that's going on. The Bible goes on to say this. Now this expression, yet once more, indicates the removal. Listen to this now. This is in the Bible. And final transformation, the removal and final transformation of all those things which can be shaken. That is of that which has been created so that those things which cannot be shaken will remain. Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, somebody put an amen on that. Let us show gratitude and offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Wow. I don't think anybody would argue that our world is going through an incredible shaking process. I think God is speaking in this day and age that not just that things need to change, but that there needs to be transformation. And I think that message is loud and clear. And it's a clarion call from God, from heaven, that things are shaken in heaven and things are shaken on earth. And I want you to listen very carefully. In your life, in your lifetime, this will be one of many shakings because all that can be shaken will be shaken. Why? So only that which is of God will remain. So we've got to focus on what matters most to God in this season. There's a lot of people who are making their issues matter most. A lot of people who are making their mentalities matter most. Their mindsets matter most. But I'm just telling you, God wants us to get focused on the kingdom and what matters most. Why? Because all that can be shaken will be shaken. And only that, I said only that, say it with me, only that which is of God shall remain. You know, I have taught about this. In fact, let me just put some context. When we first started our church in January of 2000, I felt like God led me to talk about unity for 16 weeks. I wasn't sure I was ever gonna talk about anything else. But for 16 weeks, for three months, when we first started our church, every message when people would come to church was unity, 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 unity. And you know why I started our church that way? Because we were a leadership culture. We weren't 
American culture. We weren't white culture. We weren't black culture. We weren't multi-culture. We were kingdom culture. And in the kingdom, we offer, we, we honor rather multi-culture. But here's the bottom line. God wants us to be about kingdom culture. And when I started this church, one of the things that God led on my heart was to look at what Jesus' longest prayer was that was ever recorded in the Bible. It's the longest prayer in the Bible. It's one whole chapter. It's in the last week of Jesus' life. It's found in John 17. And Jesus prays something. And you know what? You can listen to somebody's prayer and you can, you can hear what's important to them, right? Think about yourself. Think about your own prayers. What are you praying about? The things that matter to you. So in this prayer, we get insight on what matters to Jesus because five times he emphasizes one thing and it's unity. He didn't emphasize healing. He didn't emphasize poverty. He didn't emphasize the needs of the world. He didn't emphasize a particular people group. He didn't emphasize problems. He emphasized one thing and here's what it was five times. By the way, Five in scripture is the number of grace, God's power to do things God's way. So how, how should we do marriage? How should we do family? How should we do kingdom? Let me say it another way. How I should do me, how I should do we, and how I should do them. Let me say it another way. How I should do me, how I should do us, and how I should do them. So my me determines how my us goes. My me determines how my marriage goes. My me determines how my family goes. My me doesn't just determine how my tribe goes, but watch this, it determines the concentric circles of the larger tribes that I'm involved in, the larger and different cultures that I'm involved in. My me determines my we. My me determines my us, and my me determines us, and my us determines them. It's that way in business, it's that way in marriage, it's that way in life. Why is that? Because how I am as a person determines my us's. You see, life involves me first without it being about me first. Jesus is about you, Jesus is about me. And if I can get me right, with Jesus and do what Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things, and that all these other things will be added unto me. If I can get that right, then I can get us right. My marriage can be based on the kingdom. My family can be based on the kingdom. Watch this. My culture can be based on the kingdom. My country can be based on the kingdom. Every concentric circle, which is them, which is not us. And so therefore in the world, here's what we've got. We've got us and them. We've got a us and them mentality. You know why we have an us and them mentality? Because we've made it about me. You can have an us and them in your marriage. God never intended it to be about them separately from me and us. His desire was it to be me, us, and them. And how my me, us, or my me and we, my me upside down, which becomes we, my focus is on we, not me, but I got to get it. Me's got to get it so we can get it. 
We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure liberty. Wish I knew the preamble right now, but it's slipping my mind. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure, ensure tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote general welfare. We hold these truths to be so that all men are created equal, right? In other words, we the people, not me the people, but we the people. But then here's what happens. When me don't get it right, we don't get it right. If we don't get it right, them don't get it right. And it becomes us versus them. And I'm just telling you, that starts in a lot of marriages. You know that one out of every two marriages is in a divorce, why? Because it's not me and us, not me and we. I skip the we part, I don't even realize it, and I mess up the we and it messes up the them. So in Jesus' prayer five times, power of God to do things God's way, he said, Lord, make them. He starts with them. Not make him, not make her, not make black people, not make white people, all the distinctions that we have about ourselves. He said, make them one, even as we, he goes backwards. He starts with them as we are one so that the world will know that you sent me. Wow. Five times. He starts with them, then he goes to we, and then he goes to me. God's got to deal, deal with our me, we, and them so we can hope to even advance as them and not be them against us. Five times he prays for unity. When I started our church, God put it on my heart. And here we are 20 years later, it's still in my heart. That we have unshakable unity. That a lot of things can shake, but we got to get focused on the kingdom and we got to get focused on biblical unity. We got to get focused on kingdom unity. Not cultural unity, but kingdom unity. There's a lot of conversation today about systemic racism. And I will tell you, there is truth to that. But you know what's a greater truth than systemic racism in our country right now? Systemic humanism. Man's way of doing things. If you leave God out of that, I'm going to hate you. And you're going to hate me. And I'm going to look at the color of your skin and I'm going to think worse than a dog thinks. No dog looks at a dog's color and sizes up the dog and says, you're a black dog, I'm a white dog, so I judge you based on that. But that's what we got in our country. We're thinking less than dogs. And I'm telling you, God's gonna shake it until that gets shook out. And until we get focused on the kingdom, we're not gonna know how to fix it. We're not gonna know how to fix it. So Jesus prays this prayer and it's recorded in the Bible for us to learn what matters most to him. And here's what matters most to them, to him, them. That's, that's all of us. We are the them. That matters most to him. Make them one, even as we are one, so that the world will know that you sent me. Unity is mentioned in the Greek and the Hebrew over 
thousand times in scripture. Wow. It refers to oneness in reference to the nature and character of God and man's relationship. Given its intrinsic connection to God, this word can only correctly be applied within a spiritual context, not a physical context, not an earthly context, not a cultural context. But unity can only be applied in a spiritual context. Echad has the idea, that's the Hebrew word, of being originally connected to something, in this case, to God, we're connected to God so we can grow together and be connected together. So the prayer that Jesus prayed was, make us one even as they are one so the world will know. Make us inseparable. Let this union be inseparable that creates wholeness in the world. That is the mission of the church. That is the mission of God's people. That is the mission in your family. That is the mission in your marriage. <sighs> well, for those of you that don't know, I'm wearing the 1992 Dream Team jersey that Michael Jordan wore. This is not only Jordan's number, this is Jordan's jersey. I'm also wearing the Jordans from the 1992 Dream Team. They have number nine on them. Some of y'all don't care about that, but I have fun with it. I've always had this in my closet for myself. I've never worn it, never worn the jersey, never worn the shoes. But today I thought I'd wear the shoes to show you a natural supernatural correlation. The story of the US Dream Team, listen to this. Several years ago, now many years ago, the United States grew weary of getting soundly beaten at the game of basketball in the Olympics. The United States was routinely defeated by such nations as Spain, Cuba, Yugoslavia. The unique humiliation of those repeated losses were more than just one of not winning. The fact was that we were losing at a game that was invented in America. We were losing, y'all. A game that we campaigned, the United States of America campaigned to get included in the Olympics. The only reason there's basketball in the Olympics is because the Americans wanted it in the Olympics. To add to the humiliation, we were being beaten on the basis of a mere technicality, not superiority. Listen very carefully now. The United States, in setting its own guidelines for the team, specified that those that were allowed to play in Olympic basketball games must be individuals who never received any money for playing and thereby could not be considered as professional athletes. This was not an Olympic requirement. This was an American requirement. We required it out of our own athletes. This eliminated our best and brightest from being members of the team. On the other hand, other countries did not have that stipulation in their rules. Everybody say rules. And they could play, pay large stipends and huge subsidies to their nation's best players. Then in Barcelona, Spain, during the 1992 Olympics, everything changed. Everything transformed. The United States Olympic Committee 
changed its rules, United States, now not the Olympics, but the United States changed their rules for team membership and finally allowed America to field its best team. What happened in 1992? Well, for those of you too young to remember, we beat everybody's tail. That's what happened. We, it wasn't even, there wasn't even a close second. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. When America makes its own rules and establishes systems like it has for many, many years with black people, and has Jim Crow laws and adds insane stipulations on a people group, you're gonna have more issues than you ever could have ever, ever imagined. And it wasn't that long ago in the United States that black people could not even intermarry with white people. It wasn't that long ago that a black person was considered three-fifths of a human being. How does, how does somebody make those rules? How does somebody make those rules? Back up. It wasn't long ago, I'm talking about a little over 100 years ago, that it was okay to own black people. Who made those rules? Is that in the Bible? No, that's not in the Bible. Is slavery in the Bible? Yes. Oh yeah, it's there. That doesn't mean that because it's in history that it was right. Who made those rules? Let me tell you who made those rules. America's made, America made those rules. My boyhood hero is Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln came along. <sighs> and as the 16th president of the United States, established an Emancipation Proclamation that set black people free. But still people who had white power didn't give them opportunity. and still judge them by the color of their skin. In this, in this season in my own life, I went back and I listened to Martin Luther King Jr.'s last message on the last Sunday before he preached that he was crucified or that he was uh, assassinated. Talking about justice, talking about things needed to change, talking about the dream. You see, there's real realities that we face, and let me tell you why we face 
these realities of injustice and inequality, and yes, racism in our country. I don't just want to say what everybody's saying, that it's systematic racism. It's so much more than that. What it is is, again, systematic humanism. It's human beings adding their own rules. Do you know that there was originally 10 commandments? Does everybody know that? Do you know what mankind did with the 10 commandments? They added 613 rules to the 10 commandments. It became Jewish law. What in the world is it in our minds that we think we can add to the word of God, that we think we can add our rules based on our prejudices. You know what prejudice is? It's not a black and white thing. It's just a prejudging spirit that you prejudge somebody because of how you are. And by the way, red, yellow, black, and white, everybody's prejudiced. It's not just white people being prejudiced. Everybody's prejudiced. It's just the white man has been in power. So his prejudice is more dominant than everybody else's prejudice. But everybody prejudges. You know why? Because until you learn the words of Jesus, judge not lest you be judged. For by the same measure that you judge, you will be judged. Until you understand Romans 2 says you are inexcusable. You judge this one, but you do the same things. Until you understand that judging is wrong, God is the judge, then you're going to judge people as racist. You're going to judge this as that. You're going to, and guess how you're judging? Out of your paradigm, not based on the word of the living God and not measuring the way you judge things with what the Bible says. So I want you to get this picture. Ten Commandments God gave. Man added 613 addendums to it. And finally, the Bible says that Jesus did not come to abolish the law, the 613 rules that were added to the Ten Commandments, but he came, watch this now, he came to fulfill the law. All the requirements of the law are yea and amen in Jesus because he gave his life on a cross and he took every sin, he took every law that was against you and he nailed it to the cross. <sighs> 1992, the game changed. And I prophesy, and I don't just prophesy, but I tell you that in 2020, the game has changed. 2020, guess what? Man's rules are being washed away. In 2020, it's a time for the church to arise. It's a time for us to answer the prayer of Jesus and quit as humans adding rules according to our prejudices. Jesus. So I'm bringing us back. Bringing us back to what? The word of the living God, and listen very carefully what I say next. And to answer a prayer that Jesus prayed five times, that's the only unanswered prayer that Jesus ever prayed. I want you to think about that. 
You think Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, and the last, the one that was, is, and is to come, you think the one that became, the Word became flesh, and, and flesh dwelt among men, and Jesus was the light, and the light was the light that shined in the darkness, and the darkness didn't comprehend it, but to him that received him, he gave them power to become sons of God, even everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord, John, the first chapter, verses 1 through 12. You think Jesus, listen, you think Jesus, listen, you think Jesus, who is the Son of the living God, who's the manifest presence of God, who is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, needs to pray something five times? But he did. Jesus prayed a prayer the last week of his life that was the only prayer that he couldn't answer. And that's why it's still unanswered. It was the only prayer that he put it on us, us. Them, he called us, make them one, even as we are one, so that the world will know. It's not who's in the White House. It's not who's in political power. It's not the color of people's skin, but so the world would know that you sent me. And I'm here to tell you with the authority that God's given me for such a time as this, as the spiritual father of this house, as the founding pastor of Elevate Life Church, we started with unity and under my watch, we will never end focusing on unity. We will never end on, on pointing us towards Jesus. We will never end on making it about kingdom intelligence, not just social intelligence. We will never end understanding what Jesus said was the most important thing. And that is whew, that God would make us one, even as he and the Father are one. I gotta take another minute. I gotta take another minute. By the way, when the rules changed, listen now, and Americans could play their best people, we swept the floor. It was the dream team, and God's still looking for a dream team. And I'm gonna tell you something, I've got the jersey, I've got the shoes, more importantly, I don't have the color, I've got the heart. I've got the heart to answer Jesus' prayer. And I'm calling our church, and I'm calling every person that ever watch, watches this, get the heart of God, and let's spend the rest of our life focusing on answering the only prayer that Jesus prayed, that he felt compelled to pray it five different times because he knew it was gonna take the grace of God, the power of God to do things God's way so that we could answer the prayer of Jesus. Elevate Life Church family, this tribe, we are gonna answer that prayer in the name of Jesus. We are going to be a model of what unity looks like. Red, yellow, black, and white, we are precious in his sight. I promise you as the spiritual father of this house, that's what we're going to do in the name of Jesus. This is what I got to take about 10 minutes and then we're going to be done. So mark it down on your watch. I'm going to take 10 minutes. Why is Jesus' most important prayer 
that he prayed still unanswered. 2,000 plus years later, why is a prayer that he felt the need to pray five times still unanswered? I'm gonna just give you a few reasons why. Listen very carefully because we're starting with me today, y'all, so we can get the us or the we right so we can get the them right. Number one, we make our issues more important than God's values. That's why, his, that's why Jesus' prayer isn't answered. We make our issues more important than God's values. And when you put the issues that you're concerned about over what God values, you miss it. That's what I'm trying to say in this season. You can focus on racism if you want to. Is it a problem? Yes. Is injustice a problem? Yes. Is inequality a problem? Yes. Or you can focus on when mankind implements rules that cause disunity and disharmony, you're going to have chaos, you're going to have protests, you're going to have riots, you're going to have cities burnt down to the ground, you're going to have governments toppled, you're going to have things that don't work. Why? Because the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And when man adds his rules, when man adds his prejudices or, or prejudices, the, the, the prejudging of other people, when man adds his way and we remove the word of God as the lexicon. We remove the word of God as our true constitution. When we remove the word of God as the thing we measure our attitudes and our values and how we run our families and how we run our lives and we take our ethnicities, which are beautiful. Listen, there's only one race. It's the human race. And when we take our ethnicities, our colors, our preferences, and we lay those at the feet of Jesus and we say, your kingdom come into my family. Family, your will be done, then, 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 and only then can we start fixing some stuff that's way broken. Somebody else say amen. I want all my team to say amen. Come on. Why is Jesus' most important prayer he ever prayed still unanswered? Because we make our issues more important than God's issues. God cares about your issues, but here's what he says, Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart, guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Here's me, because out of my heart flow my issues. Guard yourself. Starts with me. If I get my issues right with me and God and value what he values, he'll help, it'll help fix my issues. So watch this. I don't take my issues into my family. And if I'm prejudiced, I keep carrying on a spirit of hatred, which another word for that is racism. So that now that my kids are racist, and then a tribe of people are racist. And then we got racism as a problem. You know why it's a problem? Because it was a problem with me and it was a problem with you. Then it was a problem with our kids and in our family. And then in our tribe. And we're not viewing things through scripture. We're viewing things through the prism of our ethnicity and our preferences and our prejudgments. Your issues, listen to me, are your issues. I believe all black lives matter. I don't just believe black lives matter. I believe all black lives matter. So guess what? If somebody's black and he has a different opinion, 
that some other black person, their, their, their life matters too. That's where the message is falling short. See, we take up our causes based on our issues and all of a sudden it's not about Black Lives Matter. No, Black Lives Matter if that black person agrees with me, if that person hurts like me, if that person comes from the same place I come from. But I'm here to tell you all Black Lives Matter. Ben Carson's life matters, whether you agree with his politics or not. Doesn't matter. That's what we need to be fighting for. Not fighting for a black agenda or a white agenda, but fighting for all black people. That's me. Abraham Lincoln was my hero as a boy because that's the kind of guy he was. That's the kind of guy I am. That's the kind of guy I'm gonna be because I'm a kingdom man. Here's the second reason we don't answer Jesus' prayer because we don't deal with our anger well. Listen, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says this, and do not sin by letting anger control you. You will get angry. The Bible says in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Don't keep being angry. God gives you a 24 hour period to fix it. But anger has been passed on from generation to generation to generation to generation. It's never been dealt with. That's why Jesus' prayer isn't answered. Listen, there's anger on the white side. There's anger on the black side. There's anger on the political side. Republicans, Democrats, they're angry. You turn on the news, everybody's angry. News networks are angry at each other. Fox is talking about CNN. CNN's talking about Fox. And all they're doing is pontificating, listen to me, their issues. Are the issues real? Yes, but not more important than God's values. Listen. The Bible teaches you how to deal with your anger. What they've discovered about the empathetic network, network, which is the frontal lobe of your brain, is when you get angry, listen to me now. Remember this next time you fight in your marriage. Remember, remember this time, next time you fight with anybody. That when you get angry, it hampers your ability to process information and to think creatively. Therefore, Here's what they've proven scientifically. We fall back on our learned primitive behaviors, what, are our, what I call our natural defaults, and that's what makes you dysfunctional. You know what makes us dysfunctional? We get angry about something because we've got a right to be angry, and all of a sudden, that anger becomes our issue, and God cannot help us. He cannot help us. And my anger is what separates me from people. Why is Jesus' prayer still unanswered? Third reason, we focus on our offense rather than God's recompense. Let me explain that to you. Recompense means to make amends to someone for loss or harm suffered. Why don't you deal with your offense, your spirit of offense? The Bible says it's it's like a trap. And people get offended. And the reason people get separated from each other is because you offended me. By by the way, how do you know somebody? Here's what I've heard people say in all this this, um, anger and madness and meanness and 
At the same time, on a righteous level, the fight for justice, the fight for equality, the fight against racism, that's all good. But here's what I heard people say of both color. I heard what came out of your mouth and you've revealed your true color. That shows that somebody is living by the word of God. You know how Jesus said you'll know people? Not by what comes out of their mouth, but by the fruit that is in their life. People come and go in churches because they get offended. You better look at your leader and don't look at how what he said made you feel because he might be saying something. If he's a good minister, he's going to comfort you when you're afflicted and he is going to afflict you when you're comfortable where you are. Otherwise, he's not, he's, not worth his, he's not worth his weight and salt if he's a minister. You're going to feel afflicted sometimes. And you're going to feel comforted. But when people get offended and they leave church or they leave a marriage or they leave a relationship, they're not living the Bible. They're not operating by kingdom principles. You know what they're doing? They're operating by their feelings and about what you said that made me feel the way I already felt, listen, before you said it. Jesus, I already felt that way before you said it. You just said it, so now I have an excuse. Here's the last thing, then I'm gonna pray. Why is Jesus' most important prayer ever prayed still unanswered? Because we make rules, listen to me, based on culture rather than the kingdom. That's what happened in America. We had rules for black people. Y'all sit on the back of the bus. What? Y'all drink out of a different water fountain. Who made those rules? Oh, you can't marry a white woman. You can't marry a black man. Oh, you're poor. We're going to treat you. Who made those rules? Let me tell you who made those rules. They might even been Christian, but they were not kingdom people. And I'm here to point us back to the kingdom. And to tell you, we need to move from being culturized my way of thinking to being kingdomized God's way of thinking. Oh, God help us. And he is. I almost heard, I almost heard it audibly, um, Arthur. Go ahead and start playing, Arthur. I almost heard it audibly. God help us. I almost heard, why don't you help yourself? Why don't you deal with your issues and line those issues up with God's values? Don't make your issues more important than God's values. Oh, we all got issues, but let's value what God values. Why don't you deal with your anger in your marriage, your anger in your life? Then why don't you deal with your offense? By the way, offended people have not handled their anger well. That's the bottom line, Arthur. That's why they're offended. They they hadn't learned to handle their anger, so I'm offended. And then watch this. What's wrong? What's wrong? Why is it Jesus' prayer answered? Because we're more culturized than we are kingdomized. I declare in the name of Jesus, God, your kingdom come. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know where it starts? It starts with you getting your heart right right now. I don't know who's watching this, where you're watching this, 
But listen, right now, why don't you lay your culture down? Why don't you lay your offense down? Why don't you lay your anger down? Why don't you lay your issues down? Why don't you just open up your mind? Why don't you just open up your heart and ask Jesus Christ right now to forgive you of your sins? Come on, would you do that right now? Just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me, God, wash America. I'm asking God, wash America. God, do a miracle, use the church, use us, Jesus, use us to answer your prayer. It can't keep being like this. So God, Jesus prayed this way. He said, make them one. God, would you make us one? Maybe that's what this pandemic was about. Maybe that's what all this conflict is about because God showed us that our way doesn't work. So God, would you make us one? And we become one, first of all, me, and then we or us, and then them. So God, make us one with you. Make my heart one with you. Pray this with me, say, God, make my heart one with you. Jesus, be Lord of my life, be Lord of my family. Jesus, be Lord over America. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Sing it with me. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other Jesus is the way I know you have questions In the corners of your mind Traces of discouragement Peace you cannot find Reflections of your past seem to face you every day. This one thing I do know, Jesus is the way. Come on, y'all sing it with me. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way, Jesus is the answer for the world today, above him there's no other, Jesus is the way. Arthur, come over here and stand with me. I want to spend the rest of my life committed to answering Jesus' prayer. And you know, Arthur, we've known each other for a long time. 
we've we've been in relationship, I guess, since the nineties. I don't even I don't even know. I know at back as far back as ninety six. Yes, ninety But you you really said something last week, you know, we did our service with Darius and you came up to me afterwards and you said something and I want them to hear what you said because that is my heart and I would not expect you to say it I wouldn't you know but I, I want you to I want you to say what you said because we're committed we're together in this so I want you to share so I came up to Pastor Keith um, a few days ago yeah it was last, last and, week uh, when Darius was, yeah. was uh, here and I and I told him I said Pastor Keith I just want you to know from me and my house and my home there's nothing that you have to do special for us. Nothing at all special for us, but because what you do, we already reflect that in culture, in race, in color, in everything. We already do it. So you don't have to do anything special for us. And I'm speaking for me and my house. To, to prove to that to us because that's what we see that's what you live and that's what goes on in this house every day and that and that so encouraged me because I know that in my heart but no pe people they don't know your heart right now they can get an insight into your heart because they can look at your fruit that's and again please if you're mature, don't just base in your marriage, don't just base on what comes out of their mouth, your spouse's mouth, that causes you to go up and down in your anger and your offense and your issues, like I'm preaching to you, because that's where it starts, me, we, us, and them, okay? But look at somebody's fruit, and then say, okay, I'm gonna evaluate if I'm, I, I, you know, I need to know that person, like what that person's all about. Don't just listen to what people say, but look at the fruit in their life. And that's our heart. And I just wanted to say that to you. But that so blessed me because I know how I am as a person. But guess what? It's not just me as a person. It's we as this tribe at Elevate Life Church. And so what we're doing in trying to address these real issues with my friends is I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm just seizing the moment to be who we are in public in front of everybody to say, hey, listen, let's do our part. And not being, a, being the change we want to see, that's what Gandhi said, but modeling transformation. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to model transformation. Jesus is the answer. I love you. I appreciate you being my wingman, my partner, and, and us getting to do this with our team together. And uh, we love you. So help me bless everybody out, would you? So let's raise our hands. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. May you know that if God is for you, who can be against you? If God is on your side, whom shall you fear? May you be like a tree that is planted by rivers of living water and your leaves shall not wither. And you say the last part. And whatsoever you do, it shall prosper. Love y'all. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.